1: Welcome back to Got Tech The Podcast. This is episode number 28, Using Edgy Notes for Student Collaboration and Feedback. In this episode, we talked to Dan Gallagher about some practical uses of Edgy Notes regarding student collaboration. Nick and I also go over some EdTech tools that assist teachers in providing students with near-instant feedback. Check it out. So, Nick, another episode, a couple weeks down. This is our second episode of our second year, I guess.
0: Yeah, that's right, and it's uh, by now... It's March, so it's starting to feel like the winter time is easing up a little bit. I always get kind of excited and re-energized for that time of year. So I'm looking forward to
1: episode 28. So speaking of re-energized, we have a special guest here today, Dan Gallagher. Now, Dan Gallagher is probably the EdTech PD master of all time.
0: I didn't know that, but that's, an, a, that's a hefty title to
1: carry. So Karen <laughs> Lucci was on the episode like three back, and she was Miss PD. She's been all over the world doing PD. She gets hired to go places like Hawaii to do PD, and it's awesome. This week, we have Dan Gallagher. Dan, welcome to the show. Just tell us a little bit about you and how you got to where you are right now.
2: Well, first of all, that is a hefty title to have to to bear. Uh, I I dabble with a lot of stuff, but as I tell my teachers, I fake it, (laughs) you know? (laughs) My, my, my secret is, let me Google that for you. Whenever I get a question that I don't know the answer right off the top of my head, I'm turning to Google. So uh, Google's the one that can carry the title. I just be the face.
1: That's awesome. Uh, so let's go in a little bit about you. So where did you get started with education? Where did or how did you get to where you are now and where are you now?
2: So honestly, how I got started with education was back in the Boy Scouts. One of my hobbies is wood carving. And so I started working at uh, Boy Scout summer camp called Treasure Island, where I taught wood carving merit badge. And I had upwards to 35, 40 scouts in a merit badge class. And I figured if I can have 35 kids in a session, all with sharp knives in their hands, and no one's trying to cut me, maybe teaching's a good thing for me. So I pursued that. I went to Lebanon Valley College and got my uh, undergrad bachelor's in elementary education. I started teaching in uh, Springfield Township. It's right outside of Philadelphia. Uh, I taught there for a couple of years, fourth grade. My building principal saw that I had a knack with using technology. Our technology teacher was retiring. She automatically thought of me to go and take that spot. Our tech director then said, hey, we want to start doing tech coaches in our schools. And so I kind of transitioned into being the tech coach of an elementary school. And then, you know, life continued, uh, got married and moved to New Jersey. And now I'm a teacher resource specialist for technology in my uh, current school district.
1: I love how tech coaches can uh, take on like 50,000 names and mean the same thing.
2: Oh, yeah. My district loves long titles.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. So wood carving. And this is something that you know, I found very interesting once I found out that you did this, you have something called goofballs.
2: Yes, my goofballs are basically I take a golf ball, I cut the outer cap off of half of it, and the inside is this uh, chryllic based, uh, almost like a polyurethane type of material, which carves very similar wood. When I went off to college, I needed something that I could do in a dorm room. It didn't require as many tools as wood carving does and so i heard about golf balls so i've been carving golf balls
1: <laughs>
0: that's that's, awesome. that's so funny what, what do you do with them do you do is this a personal hobby or do you sell these things or give them like what's the plan
2: so i started out just as a hobby carving them uh, i usually carve wacky faces into them you know uh, elaborated eyes weird grins and then uh, i had people ask me them for you know gifts gave a couple ways gifts and then i started hearing from a ton of people, oh, you should be selling these. You should have a store. So last year I opened an Etsy shop and I put some of them up on there.
1: So everyone out there, we need to contact Dan here. <laughs> and uh you know it was custodial appreciation day secretary appreciation day or boss appreciation day contact dan he'll he'll hook you up with a goofball and uh it's a gift that keeps on giving because they get to look at it every day on their desk all right so let's get into it a little bit i know that you are a big fan of certain ed tech programs you're a coach of many a trainer of some you are an ambassador of a couple let's get into a couple of your favorite ones what okay. what what are some of the uh, ones that you have a passion in and what are you using them for?
2: A newer one to me right now is called Edgy Notes. Uh, it's a tool that allows you to take either text that you've typed in, images or PDFs, and be able to push them out to students. And they can either highlight the text or they can tag that image and they can leave text annotations. They can leave emojis. And they've even opened it up now that you can start leaving audio comments. And then they have a feature for the teacher called heat vision and when you turn heat vision on now the students can see everyone's annotations that they've left and if they've highlighted the same sentence that highlight starts turning from a, a color yellow to a darker red to kind of show how many people have the same thoughts um I really liked it because I had a middle school teacher come to me and said she wants to really enhance her students' conversations. She would usually give them some type of uh, document or excerpt to read and then have the students talk about the writer's craft. What did that author do in that piece to kind of hook the reader in? But she noticed that the kids weren't really talking. And I see that in middle school. They're afraid to share their ideas because they don't want to look foolish they don't want to think they they think that no one else is thinking the same they do as they do we noticed when we ran a group that did not have the tech and we ran the group that used edgy the conversation was much richer because the students had a chance when heat vision got turned on to see other people were thinking the same things as them and now they were willing to talk about it and share and discuss whereas the other group they were fearful of you know these are my thoughts and no one else is going to think them and i have no other way of seeing if they've thought them so I don't want to talk.
0: So this this is fascinating, but Mitch this is completely brand new to me. I've not I've heard of Edgy, but that's about as far as it goes. Can you just maybe catch me up a little bit? You said you share something with family. Share a PDF? Is it a Google Doc? What's the formatting of what you provide? So
2: there's three different ways you can upload content. You can either copy and paste the text in because they have a text editor, or you can upload an image or a PDF file. And that's what you push out to the students. And then what the tool allows you to do is either put a tag on the image or put a tag on the PDF, a little spot indicating where you're going to leave your remarks. Or if it's text, they can highlight the sentence or the word or the phrase and be able to leave either text-based comments emoji comments or they started to allow audio recording
1: i think for me i can i can easily come up with a couple of different projects that i would use this for first is poetry and this one yeah. is the one that stuck out to me right away and it's not even to say okay improper formatting find those errors you could do that you could say all right here's a poem it's not written correctly go find the errors and they could highlight that and see, you know, who can do that. But I'm thinking if you want to start collaborating, if you want a discussion, you give them a couple poems that are pretty powerful. And you just tell them to highlight the parts that really resonate with them. And that, that itself will help you identify craft or what what is effective writing while mm. writing that poem. So that that was the first one. The second one is math.
2: Oh, yeah. All right. So talk about
1: math. So how can we use this in math? I mean, if you take you said you could take an image. I would just, you know, write down a math problem on a piece of paper and maybe change a step or two of the work that they write. And if we change a step or two of the work that they write, you could ask them to identify where they went wrong. Because in math, if you can identify uh, a wrong step that they took, you really have a thorough understanding of the process. So those are the two that I was uh, kind of thinking about. You said that you use it in math as well.
2: Yeah. I I love tech tools where they can be used regardless of the content. 10 area. And so recently I did a math lesson in sixth grade. We've adopted the math workshop model. And so one of the components is doing something called number sense routines, which is basically a time to get students talking about math. And so what we did was we took an image of four different expressions. So maybe X minus three, X squared plus two, X minus three squared, and then five minus Y. So you have that image with those four Different problems in the four corners. So we pushed that out through EDGY. We had the students mark and explain which one didn't belong. For whatever reason, they had to type in why they felt that didn't belong. I then turned heat vision on and they could then see what their classmates thought as well. I then told them, okay, now you're going to get in your like groups. And as a group, you're going to talk about, since you've already just said why it doesn't belong. Now I want you to come up with an argument of why it should stay. And then elect a speaker from that group to kind of pitch your rationale of why you're expression should stay in the group. And then based upon what I hear, I'm gonna make the final decision of what we're getting rid of. And so the tech tool kind of helped facilitate that conversation and kind of prime the pump in their thinking.
1: Uh, that That's cool. I, I need a clarification here. When they, when the teacher turns on heat vision, do yes. the other students see like whose work it is?
2: So the other students are now able to see who identified whatever area and what they typed.
1: Okay. So if Nick, if Nick uh, highlighted something and he's the only one that highlighted that, does it show Nick's name next to it?
2: It would show the initials. I've actually sent feedback in that I think that would be a neat feature to have to be able to have like an anonymous mode. You know, you're able to flick a switch and then you won't know who said what, but you'll at least see what everyone submitted as their comments.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think uh, that kind of brings up the topic of safe failure or whatever, Mm -hmm. however you want to term that, but that's kind of what it is. But edgy sounds really, really cool.
0: Something I was thinking about as you were explaining that, especially that heat vision feature is uh, just the power that that has to me. And maybe you can tell me, Dan, if I'm thinking about it the wrong way, but opening up classroom discussions, because like you said, it's especially middle school and even high school in a big way. I know I didn't really shake this until college, but that fear Mm -hmm. of asking a question because you you don't realize yet that there's probably a lot of other people that have it um, so the ability to see this this heat vision w- where you can kind of get a sense of where everybody else is highlighting or what everybody else is writing to me, that just jumps out as like wow, now as I'm the kid who has ideas that never would have shared them I can see there's a bunch of other people circling the same thing or writing a similar thing so I sort of know that that is, that's like, almost like a safe thing for me to say because I know that that's something else that's not going to get laughed at. Is that kind of a feature of this?
2: Yes. Yes. So I find that it gives all students a voice in the classroom. Uh, Traditional teaching, you know, you're, you're asking a question, you have a couple kids that raise their hands, you're crunched on time, you can't hear from everyone. This way, now all students are able to contribute to the conversation. And in the beginning, it's just then they don't they're not seeing what their peers are saying they're not feeling pressured or anything they're able to look at the content highlight or annotate an area and give their thoughts or their questions or what emoji it makes them feel whatever whatever the the prompt is from the teacher it's now giving everyone that choice that chance
1: Uh, Another project, I don't know why, but I'm just sparking ideas here. But another project that I could think of is a claims evidence reasoning problem or project in science. You can give them a picture of, you know, ice melting in, in the North Pole. You know, they have the ice rivers there. And you could just on that image, you can manipulate it in Google Drawings first. So you have a picture of the Arctic ice caps or whatever uh, melting, and then you manipulate that picture in Google drawings to have a question on it, right? Why is this happening? Or what is occurring here? And you put that up as your do now. You, Mm -hmm. You put it in edgy and you put it up as your do now and they can annotate it with a writing... Or with text right yes so they could just come up with different ways or reasons why this is happening and then from there you could share everyone's responses and then they have to decide which one of those responses that they want to research and examine further and then at the end of the period they do a gallery walk of what they've come up with
2: you know not to take the movement out of it but the gallery walk is just turning that heat vision on and now you're able to see everyone and what they've tagged that's
1: so that's so
0: cool i'm even thinking of this is one of those things I can tell where there's so many uses it kind of just gets your brain
2: you know what I mean it's like you start popping in with all these any of those tech tools that can be used across disciplines so easy regardless of the grade level those are the ones I usually gravitate towards I'm
0: thinking of one thing I've been trying to do a lot of recently with my chemistry kids is instead of just having them work out a calculation on a piece of paper I've been giving them pre-done calculations by other students and having them analyze it for what the mistake is and I usually do it it as a discussion where I say, okay, here's three other students work. There's two mistakes in this one and three mistakes in this one. Share out what you think. And they're always afraid to say what they think the mistake is because they don't want to... They don't want to say it wrong. They don't want to sound stupid. But man, if you could give them like a PDF of those of that work first, again, so they could kind of see, oh, everybody is looking at the same area. It almost might make a student more excited to answer because they'll be like, oh, I know what I think is wrong in that and just give them a little confidence. What a cool thing. I was also thinking for like English teachers, just push out an essay and have, have the kids edit that way. Everybody's highlighting yeah. certain problem areas. What a, what a great way to see how other people are editing written work for grammar mistakes, or or any other kind of writing stuff.
1: All right, so let's get down to the nitty gritty here. What is Edgy going to cost us?
2: Okay, so it's one of those freemium tools. You can start out with a free account. What it does is it gives you access to everything. You can do the text, the images, the PDF. You can annotate with typed text. You can annotate with emojis. You can even record audio. But the limitation is the fact that the teacher can only have two edgy activities in their account at a time. So if they you know use this often they're going to have to delete previous activities and have to remember the next year what they did. And put it back, create it again almost. If you do start using it and you like it and you upgrade, you're upgrading to what they call Hero. And Edgy Hero, I believe is like five dollars a month. And then it gives you unlimited activities that you can have. Students don't need accounts. When you create it, it gives you a link that you share out. And the students go to that link. They can either uh, sign in with Google and it gets their name that way, or they can type in their name and then they're good to go. They can start annotating on whatever it is that you pushed out to them. There's also like a school or district level account that you could also search for. They don't have pricing on there. I think you have to contact them.
1: Okay, so what I'm thinking is, uh, for me, I'd probably do the freemium. I would throw all my lessons that I'm gonna put into edgy, into a google doc and save it that way and because it's a copy and paste away but five bucks that's not bad that's not breaking the bank and it's not like you have to buy every single kid at an account it's just a teacher account so uh that might be something that you could put in your budget for your department that's something that you might be able to put in your uh tech budget for the school I, i don't think that's bad at all and For the multiple different, you know, ways to use edgy that we've come up with in, you know, 20 minutes, Mm -hmm. that's a a
2: bargain. And what's nice to know about edgy, it was created by an educator, a teacher in the classroom, saw a need and built the tool to fulfill that need. Um, And that kind of goes to, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard of the edu duct tape podcast and Jake Miller. It's kind of his philosophy that, you know, technology should be like duct tape. It's Going in to fix some sort of issue, some sort of problem you're seeing, and the technology is used to make that work for you. Yeah, um,
0: that's always the best. That's always the best stuff. And I, it's when you were saying that, it kind of made me think of when you were describing one of its features, which is that the students don't need to create an account. I I love that these days, unless it's something that I really, really like already am invested in. If it requires my kids to make accounts with the usernames and passwords, I'm, I'm skipping it, I'll be totally honest because it's just it's so much hassle. Everybody's got so many different passwords. It cuts, it decreases the buying on the students because they're thinking like, oh, now I got to deal with this other password thing. It's just a whole, it's a whole thing. So you can t- uh, just little stuff like that, like not requiring a student sign-in account you can tell that's created by a teacher because that's just one of those little bits that's just so usable and makes me say even more yeah that's that's something I'm gonna try like tomorrow cuz it's easy
1: and (laughs) I I really love the fact that it's made by a teacher I mean Earlier, our first year, we talked with Kyle Nemes and, uh, of Classroom Q, and he found a need, just like you said, uh, with the elementary school teacher, and he brought it into, uh, you know, he developed it and brought it into the classroom. He had a partner with him. But Classroom Q is another one of those where if there's a need to uh, have students uh be more productive and not keep their hand raised all class period and to sign up to be helped. I mean, yeah, that's something that me as a teacher, I would invest in. Those are your priceless tools that is worthy of an investment in my opinion. So love edgy. And uh, I want to thank you for bringing that to the show because, you know, these tools that are newer that come out, I mean, These are the things that we want to get out to our uh, to our audience, to our listeners and to other educators, because there's a lot of value here. It does fit a need. This is uh, edgy has their own niche that it completes, you know.
0: So, yep, Thanks, Dan. Uh, Everybody check out edgy online to incorporate into your lessons and stick around because we're going to have Dan in a little bit on the got tech hot seat.
1: It's time for the Got Tech Hot Seat. All right, so we got Dan here, and he is going to go on our EdTech Hot Seat. Dan, this is uh, this is kind of big. I, I I I want you to know there's a lot of pressure here.
2: I mean, I'm mean, i feeling it. Uh, I know how you said in the, the previous episode that you have a heating pad. I think you might have dropped one off at my school because I'm feeling it here.
1: You take the family feud, the last little thing that they do, and you feel that pressure, but now it's like EdTech pressure. So what we do in the Got Tech'd hot seat is we give you seven prompts. And uh, these could be questions. These could be statements. You be very brief. We don't want to give Nick too much because he only gets to ask you three follow-up questions based on your responses. Now, before we get into the Got Tech Hot Seat, I think it's very important for the listeners to know how they could get a hold of you or follow you on your uh, social media or your website. So let me give you some time real quick just to, you know, maybe... Stir up a little bit more of a stressful situation. Build up the, the hot seat a little bit more. How can they get a hold Spending of you?
2: Spending time, making that anticipation. I love it. All right. Uh, so you can get in contact with me. Twitter's the easiest. I'm at Gallagher underscore Tech. Uh, my blog is Gallagher Tech edublogs.org and on Instagram if you want to see those goofball creations it's at goofballs underscore by underscore Dan that was the only one I could find that would work but I'll send you all of those links so they can be in the show notes
1: awesome so uh, Nick you understand your uh, what you have to do during this
0: yeah I, I get to ask him three right of his responses three things afterwards that I want more info on
1: yep and and Dan you're ready to go I think so you are officially on the goddamn hot seat we're gonna start off easy google keep or evernote
2: right away i would say google keep
1: kahoot or gimkit gimkit what are your top three go-to apps and or extensions
2: i'm gonna go with all extensions clipboard history two if it with an exclamation point and edit with edpuzzle
1: name one edtech tool that you would feel would win the award the best kept secret of the year
2: i would have to go to what we talked about before edgy
1: what is more important a supportive administrator or a strong pln
2: i would say the pln
1: uh what is your favorite edtech conference or pd that you go to
2: that's tough uh, uh, being a connected educator, I go to a lot. So I'm thinking anything that has an ed camp in the title would be my go-to.
1: And will you be presenting at ISTE 2019?
2: Yes, and I'm very excited about that.
1: All right, so there he goes. Are you, are you sure I only get to ask three? Well, I think I'll let you ask three, and then I think I want to ask one. All right,
0: because there's, there's a lot of good... St- There's a lot of good stuff that came up there. Uh, The first thing, Dan, I'd like to ask you about is something that we've talked briefly about before. Guys, you mentioned one of our other guests, Kyle Nemus, who I believe is the last time we mentioned this, but uh, GimKit, just as an alternative, what I think is a new and exciting alternative. I know a little bit about it, but could you describe that in some more detail for people that might not know about GimKit? Uh,
2: I'm, I'm liking GimKit right now. Like you said, it's new and exciting. I like um, the fact that as you're going through and answering questions you're earning money in their system so that you can go and purchase items in their shop And I, I think you know the fact that it was designed and created by a student that says a lot and that's something that you know student innovation, I want to
1: support that. I, I think what's kind of cool there is we're also teaching students how they like to be taught, and that's through video games. We're in the video game era. Everything's yes. electronic, everything's game based, and that is playing directly to their needs.
0: Okay, so the next thing that caught my eye were. Actually, all three of your choices for uh, your top three apps and extensions uh, were things that I've, I've heard of but not super familiar with. There's one, though, uh, that just stuck out to me. Um, I'm super obsessed right now with GIFs, making them myself. I've started actually having my students create them and putting them out there on the Internet as resources for other people and just kind of building them into presentations. such a silly little thing, having an image move, but I th- I think it pays off a lot. What
2: What is, what is GIF-IT? So... GIF-IT is a really cool extension that I, I came across. Do you ever have a YouTube video and you're like, oh, three seconds of that would be the perfect way to explain whatever concept to my students? Yes. What GIF-IT does, once you install that extension, it puts a button on YouTube so that when you're watching the video, you click the button and then you tell it what time from what time you want to turn that into a GIF. And then it takes that segment of the video and renders it into a GIF.
0: This is
1: unbelievable. That is it, it's a game
2: changer when it comes to GIFs, especially with students. They're so visual. Yeah. I can just any video on YouTube, I click the GIF it button and I'm able to grab that and send that out to the students as a quick little GIF.
0: This is crazy because the old way that I used to have to do that and this is probably not even legal but I used to pull up Screencast-o-matic, screencast over top of the YouTube video as it plays, save that video file to my desktop, upload that video file into an online GIF creator. It was like a 15-minute process just for one GIF. So this. This for me, that's exactly what I was hoping you'd describe it as. That sounds awesome.
1: (laughs) That that does sound amazing. And I wonder if we we make these minute to two minute videos, sometimes 30 seconds of how to do something, whether it's within our LMS or something like that. But no one wants to watch 30 seconds. That doesn't sound like a long period of time. No one wants to watch that. So maybe if we could cut that down into like a 15 second video segment and make a even faster and just do a a little gif with it i mean or
2: record your video throw it in youtube adjust the playback settings to speed it up and then do gif it there yeah we
0: go. yeah or just like little snippets of the video like the important like the how-to stuff oh man that is that's got some real real crazy applications all right so i'm glad i asked about gif it
1: so he just did another app smash this is like his second <laughs> unintentional app <laughs> yeah, smash right? of the episode and uh, i actually read an article that or a blog called building relationships and having conversations and he talked a little bit about a the former teacher that he worked with and how they're sharing ideas and they're app smashing now. And yeah. I just think, you know, app smashing with all this stuff is it takes two really awesome tools and it makes it a super tool. And I think we just need to kind of point that out a little bit because you know, a GIF really is just a super tool. It's taking a video, it's taking information and it's kind of squeezing it together in a fast forward way of delivering that information. I think that's awesome.
2: It's easily digestible.
1: It is that's, very easy, easily digestible.
0: That's where we need to uh, meet our students as well, make things ease, as easily digestible whenever we can. So that's that's amazing. I'm going to probably start using that like tomorrow. Um, and then my last one is going to be, uh, I hope you you probably knew I was going to ask this, guys, but the, the ISTE one for sure, only because Got tech is also going to be at ISTE presenting. So maybe you could describe to us and our listeners what you'll be talking about this year.
2: So... Uh, the topic I'm presenting on is right up your alley uh, and hopefully your listeners alley uh, is taking the concept of those digital escape rooms, those breakouts. Uh, what I usually do is I put them on a platform called ThingLink. And so ThingLink allows you to annotate an image one of the features it allows you to do is to take a 360 image and you can then annotate that. So I take a 360 image and I make that my virtual escape room. Um, so one I did, for instance, for, you know, introducing digital escape rooms to teachers was I took an image of our auditorium and I set it up as a professional development day escape room. The you know assistant superintendent locked the schedule up in a box. There's clues all around the room. So they have to spin the image around and find the different clues to figure out the locks to a embedded Google form that they can then open up the schedule and free their PD day. One I did for school was I took an image of the inside of Fort Washington. And what they can do is they can explore that room to figure out how to open up the footlocker that has the American flag locked up in it. And so they have to figure out clues and it kind of introduces them to that content of learning about the Revolutionary War.
1: I think there's a strong narrative ties there. And that's one of the biggest things that we talk about uh, with our escape the rooms. And believe it or not, our topic at ISTE is kind of similar, except we're not focusing on ThingLink. I guess right now would be a good time to kind of get into what we're getting at at ISTE as well. Could
0: share a little bit, yeah.
1: So we've done digital escape the rooms. We've done physical escape the rooms, and the physical ones have boxes and locks, which could get very pricey. And then we have our digital ones, where we feel like we lose a lot of the hands-on experiences with whatever they're whatever clues they're manipulating or working with. So we've started to come up with these hybrid models where we're not using boxes. We're using a Google form for the code, and we're giving them the, the physical manipulatives uh, the worksheets, the, the clues, the hands-on like puzzles, uh, 3D printed, things, have them work with those and then uh, try to get out of a room that is virtually locked by a Google form. So, trying That's to fantastic. we're trying to bring, uh, we're app smashing, but we're really activity smashing the digital and the physical escape the room. So, we're very excited about that and we're very excited to uh, hear about yours and hopefully be able to get out to yours. Same here. Do you know when yours is going to be at ISTE? What day?
2: I know I'm on Monday morning.
1: Alright, so we're at the same time i believe yeah we're monday morning mid-morning for an hour so okay. uh we'll, we'll uh we'll definitely um once everything is ironed out and they de- the schedule is you know what it's going to be we'll uh we'll tell everybody what isti workshops we're going to try to attend and hopefully uh we could uh, meet dan down there as well as some of the listeners uh down at the isti 2019 conference
2: i'm looking forward to it You can
0: follow Got Tech outside the podcast at gottech.com or on Twitter at @wegottech
1: So we just got done talking with Dan about EduNote, and one of the things I was thinking about this whole time was feedback. There's a lot of ways in EduNote to provide feedback, so I kind of wanted to take the idea of feedback and carry it over into another segment. So in EduNote, it's simple. The students provide each other feedback by highlighting different areas of a text, and they could see what each other's thinking based on that heat map that Dan was talking about. So. Let's take this idea of feedback and let's think about it in a non-digital way and also as a digital way of providing feedback. So for example, a non-digital way, I recently observed a health class and they were doing team building with content connections. For example, um, in health, they were talking about the different bones of the body, but they had to somehow come up with a physical representation of that, like a metaphoric representation of the skeleton. Okay. So one group had a bunch of popsicle sticks and what they did is they cut them in half or cut cut them down. So it was relatively, it's not to scale, but it's it's a model of the human skeleton. They labeled the, the popsicle sticks, but there are some clear rules that were set before this lesson. and. There were 24 kids in the class. They were paired up. So here's the thing. The teacher wants to know who's still working, who needs to be checked to see if they were correct, and who finished. So what, what the teacher did is they had a set of three cups per group. There's a red cup, and I'm talking solo cup, party cup. Yeah. And uh, they they had a yellow one, they had a green one, and they had a red one. So the green one meant that they were still working. The yellow one meant they were getting close. And the red one means that they're ready to go, to be checked. And then once they are finished, the uh, teacher takes away the set of cups and gives them whatever place or their time or whatever they finished. So I thought that was a neat way of providing feedback. Not only, it's it's a communication thing. It's It's the students telling the teacher that where they are in that progress of solving that task, but it also is for the teacher to go over and and give that feedback right there and then whether or not their model what's correct.
0: That that kind of makes me think of earlier today I was Mike my chemistry kids were doing a lab and I didn't, there's one part of the procedure I didn't explain super clear. So it was kind of that moment. I know you've had this probably before too, where there's like every group of kids is like, Mr. Johnson, Mr. Johnson, Mr. Johnson, blah, 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 blah. We need help with this. We need help with that. Just kind of until everybody gets rolling and understands what's happening. And it's always a, it's, it's frantic for me because I feel like there's all these different groups that need help and you kind of want to do that as quick as possible. But I like that idea almost for a a lab group setup where I could sort of have a set of these cups on each table. And if they do need Help. They don't have to try and like grab my attention while I'm trying to help three other people. They just put their red cup on top, and then as I kind of walk around, I stop in at whatever tables have red cups, clear those out, then make your way around to the yellow cups until everybody's green, and you can kind of just keep monitoring that way. That's a great idea.
1: Yeah, that's pretty cool there because not you don't always want to have Chromebooks or anything like that back where your lab tables, where, right. you know, you're you're messing with the Bunsen burner or chemicals or something like that. So I think this is a way around just a communication way to provide each other feedback. And I think it's very good. I mean, everything's good when there's open line of communication between teachers and students. That's the best way to make sure everyone is on the same page. And your feedback from the students is equally important as feedback from teachers to students. Sure. And as far as, you know... Old school methods of
0: teacher feedback to the students. I'm still a huge fan of um, just like the standard exit slip. Sometimes my kids are working on a piece of paper, practicing something in class right right before the bell's about to ring. Every once in a while, I just did it this week. I'll will still just say, okay, everybody turn in blah 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 with with this problem solved as you walk out the door, and you just go with that you know thing that we've been all we've all been doing for so long, but it just gives that such a nice immediate feedback that doesn't necessarily require a digital component.
1: A lot of times when I gave my exit slips, I asked them for either questions that they had a concern about or something that they think is a misconception with the content that we went over. And usually I do this after four five, six lessons into that topic unit, chapter, whatever. And then what I do is I group all of the responses into categories that kind of fit together. I lump them together. And then the way that I start the next class, my do now is I give them a copy of the exit slips where I hand them the packet of exit slips based on the group, and what they have to do is read that stack of exit slip questions, and they have to find the best way to teach it to the rest of the class. So we might have four or five different groups, and then they would take turns presenting to the class. You know, this is the misconception. This is how you can think about it. To keep it straight and just go from there. So they're using an exit slip to become a do now. Right. And it's another type of feedback. I mean, they're letting me know that they're struggling in these areas, and then I am giving them a chance to gain those skills in that content area. So it, it works out for both.
0: Well, I think it's important to remember too that for as many digital platforms as we we talk about, I think both you and I feel the same way that there are almost there are certain things that are just good teaching moves, like the the exit slip that we've talked about like some kind of feedback using colored cups or popsicle sticks or whatever you want or as simple as hey all the kids are you know trying trying to answer a question that I've posed to them and I'm just walking around and watching what they do and if I see somebody struggling you step in it's in the moment it's faster than any digital uh, method could be because you don't have to wait for you know sharing of things or typing stuff in back and forth it's it's literally happening right then and there and that face-to-face contact I almost can't be replaced any other way. So it's always worth mentioning to me uh, some of these non-digital methods.
1: So let's shift the focus a little bit, because I think sometimes, you know, we always say that if it's enhancing a lesson, if it's enhancing a learning experience, digital tools are warranted. Yes. But only if it enhances. So let's talk about some activities that we do as teachers that providing them quick feedback using a digital tool can really enhance the experience. And the one that I think about all the time is when we do research papers. All right, in science, we call those labs. So sometimes we have to provide a background to the lab and they do a full lab write-up, but this is the same for an English research paper, history research paper, any class that has to do research. So how can we provide them, the students, with feedback using a digital tool on a research paper? So what I'm thinking is, if they're in the beginning stages of research where they're making a kind of like a skeleton of what they're going to talk about, all right, they could share that skeleton with the teacher and we could use a tool like texting or com- er, uh, talking and comment and we could use a tool like talk and comment uh which is an extension that goes right into google docs actually it goes into google docs it goes into slides it goes into twitter it goes into facebook if you really want it you uh hit a button brings up a green and a red microphone green means you're ready to record you hit the red one when you're done to stop stop recording. And then it brings up a URL, which has this digital, it's your digital file there. So you post the URL into a comment or anywhere that you want to post it. And it's going to give your voice feedback right there to the student. So little Johnny, he has a good thesis statement and he has a good couple of paragraphs, but in one paragraph, he has no way of providing any backup data. So maybe you need to tell little Johnny that he needs to come up with some sources that back up that um, topic sentence for that paragraph.
0: I love that because with talk and comment, it's still your voice. I think it's, it gives an element at least of that personal touch that you could get from maybe sitting down and having a conference one-on-one with each kid where they get to actually hear you, their teacher, someone they you know they like and they've been working with and respect. Uh, you can kind of use that because it's still your voice. Um, and, and talk about ways that a digital platform can enhance feedback. This would not be possible in almost any other setting. Where if you wanted to actually sit down and have that talk, have that conference with, uh, you know, your entire class of students, you'd, you'd lose so much class time for that. But with talk and comment, it's just part of almost like you're grading a paper. You can do it uh, outside the class, and they still get that feedback. It allows you to do large quantities quick without typing, without really any kind of sharing. That's where I think a lot of the digital feedback comes in. It's just allowing you to do way more uh, than you would ever be able to do if you were
1: just using paper and pencil. So let's go into another one that kind of goes along with talk and comment, but it takes it to the next level in my opinion, and that is Kaizena. And I know that you talked about Kaizena in one of our battle royales, but they have something new. They have the add-on. It allows you to create a add-on into slides or docs. And this add-on, you click a button and say that you want to highlight a portion of the text that the students uh, typed into a Google Doc, or you want to highlight something within. Google slide you highlight it and then you get to choose whether or not you want to make a comment or if you want to make a voice comment now the cool thing about this add-on is it allows you to make canned responses of verbal comments so if you see that 19 out of 24 people in your class didn't have a title slide in your in your slides presentation or didn't include a key piece of information well then you would just make that comment once you would highlight the first slide or the title slide and you would just insert that comment there for each one of them so once you make a comment you can put it into a bank and it's there for the entire assignment i think that's very cool
0: that's that is really cool and i think that's what a lot of these uh there's a lot of things that do similar stuff each with their own tweaks. so if you know some people really prefer kaizena somebody else might prefer let's say something like checkmark checkmark's another uh, extension for google chrome really super easily incorporates with uh, all, your, all of your Google Apps, Google Docs, Google Slides. Um, but again, it just allows you to, to make a large number of comments really fast by by providing you with, uh, you, like you were just talking about with Kaizen, kind of a list of canned comments that you get to, to choose and use and highlight with certain words and just apply that to that document, push it back to the student so they can see what they've done wrong.
1: I I wanna just throw this out there because I remember as a science teacher, one of my least favorite things about lab reports is I felt like every time they did a formal lab write-up, students would not have a hypothesis that has two variables in it or students wouldn't do internal citations or the internal citations were done improperly. So you look at that and I just remember writing it out internal citations. And then after a while I started going, you know what, I'm just going to give them a comments list with numbers on it. And so number one meant that they forgot their title so if they forgot their title, I'd just put a one with a circle around it. And then uh, on that key, it would also say how many points that was worth. But a lot of students said that the personalized touch wasn't there. They just felt like a robot graded my paper.
0: Well, that adds an extra step for them, too. Then they got to go look at your key to figure out what they did wrong.
1: Yeah, they, they said that the feedback wasn't authentic. Right. And I appreciate that. But sure. I think talking comment, uh, Kaizana and Checkmark all give you that personalized touch when you go to give feedback within a student's uh, paper, doc, slide, whatever it is, and then my, my favorite one.
0: I I'll, I should probably let you talk about this because really you're the one that discovered this and kind of turned me onto it. Uh, does a similar thing, but I just, there's just something about it I like more. I think it's the color aspect. You can incorporate as silly as that is. I don't know why it just appeals to me. But Google Keep is more of like an organizational tool, uh, but it has a, it's also allows you to sort of add like a toolbar to your Google Docs where you can type in whatever you want. We've talked about you using Google Keep to sort of, up, and you can upload anything. It doesn't have to be text, so it can be an image, say, of like a rubric that you've got, and you want to sort of really quickly and easily insert your grading rubric into a student document that you're providing feedback on. You can just have the rubric kinda pre-made as an image file in your Google Keep toolbar and you just click and drag it over into the the Google Doc you're providing feedback on and it's there uh, in seconds and because it allows you to use things other than text, like I said, images, it's again another level of personalization and I just just like it because it makes it so easy.
1: Another thing you could do with uh, Google Keep and This is hilarious to me because that's just how I think. But uh, I saw somebody at a conference make stickers digital stickers. So they would take a picture that they like, they put text over top of it, they saved it in their Google Keep, and then they would drag it over to the top of the paper. And do you remember those uh, scratch and sniff stickers that we had growing up? Dude, I love scratch and sniffs. So the one teacher was putting scratch and sniff Uh. on it. And I actually saw some teachers in the professional (laughs) development Scratch their screen. <laughs>
0: that's
1: awesome and i was like i felt like i was on camera somewhere yeah. like there were the cameras focused in on me and they were looking at my reaction i was like what is going on
0: here that's funny well so you could almost use it like little almost like a badging system too your little image of a badge or a sticker whatever you want to call it is in your google keep and you click and drag it over and you know the badge could have little details or on you know what that badge is for what they did well what they need to improve on so Google Keep's an awesome one. And then I'm going to throw just one last thing out, which is kind of, it's not definitely not for this purpose, but how about just a screencast? Just with Screencastify, Screencast-o-matic, record yourself, record your face, uh, providing some spoken feedback. Talk about maybe the closest you could get to having a one-to-one face-to-face conference without actually having to spare the time to do that.
1: I think that's awesome, especially if you use, uh, for example, Screencast-O-Matic, and, which gives you the ability, and so does Screencastify, gives you the ability to have your in-screen view of their doc, but also have you in the bottom right corner. Right. So really, that's, not ta- that's taking maybe a little bit more time to make. Uh, I know with uh, Screencastify, Every video goes right into your Google Drive. So it's, I mean, the the extra step is how you're going to get that video to that student, which is probably an email or something like that. But it takes a little bit more time, but it also brings the the authentic feeling of that feedback and the personalized feedback to a whole new level, which I think students would appreciate.
0: I've done this before, almost like if I if I run out of time in class and I can't get to say something to a student that I know I wanted to, I'll pull up their document that I want to talk about. I'll do a screencast with their document on my screen so they can see it. I'll highlight on the screen so they know what I'm talking about. I'll use the little show my face option. And at least if it's screencast-o-matic, uh, it, I just push it straight to YouTube and I get the little URL link for that video's YouTube, you know, YouTube location and I just email it straight to the kid. There may be a faster way actually if someone knows about it better way to share videos like that that would be fascinating but it didn't it wasn't a huge amount of extra steps to kind of get the video to them that way so
1: for screencast-o-matic you can you can just send it to your google Drive and share it from uh, there. yeah of course so that's another way to do that I think these are all like fantastic ideas on how to bring feedback to a whole different level using tech but also embracing the non-digital ways of providing feedback we can't lose those uh, i I just feel that sometimes maybe we're getting a little carried away with thinking that technology has to be used. And sometimes it's it's good to take that step back and, and use that face to face time to provide them with real life in life feedback yep well
0: before you start to you know try to spend all put on all this effort to figure out some new new piece of ed tech just ask yourself that question does it actually enhance the lesson is it making something better than the way you were doing it before and if the answer is no don't do it but I think we've given uh, some great ideas today that will actually answer yes to that question and enhance your classroom feedback
1: Till next time, you're listening to Got Tech, the podcast, www.gottech.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter at WeGotTech.